Blog Talk Radio. Child, and don't please ever say that it can't happen to my kid 
because probably someone said that to me, and I won't even go into what happened to me, all right? But it made me write a book. I made it to Japan. That was okay. <laughs> but anyway, the point is this. Um, it can happen to any kid, anywhere. Um, it doesn't matter if he's male or female, if you're rich, poor, or in between, if there isn't in between anymore, I'm not sure. Um, it can happen anywhere to anyone, okay? So we have to live our lives a little bit differently today. We have to, to keep our kids safer. And if we give them the proper information that they need to know to help keep them safer, they have a better chance at staying safe, okay? The pedophiles are all over the place. The traffickers are all over the place. I don't need to say too much more. Anyone who watches the news, you know, will learn as much as I do because I watch it all the time. I'm a news buff. I'm one of them. But anyway, the point is this. Um, I don't see our guests, so what I'm going to talk about a little bit um, is for you to understand a little bit more about what we're going on in the world. And then I'm going to get into the topic that I had chosen for tonight um, in case she doesn't show. I'm just giving her a little bit more time. So anyway, um, if you go to the NASCA website, okay, N-A-A-S-C-A dot org, NASCA dot org, um, you'll find all different types of um, information. Um, scroll down a little bit, you'll see red blocks. Each block has a different topic in it, okay? And um, the one I'm mostly interested in, okay, for you know, the reasons that I've mentioned, um, is the one all the way over to the right, except not the last one, but the one right next to it. If you click on to that, it'll open up, and it's for prevention, Prevention, intervention, and recovery. If you click on to that, you'll have all kinds of pages that will open up to you. It teaches you how to, you know, to talk to your children. It wasn't that long ago I saw on the website, you know, that um, someone was questioning, um, you know, what's the right age, you know, on the Internet, uh, what's the right age to start speaking to your children, and uh, how do you go about it. Because parents, uh, they're the real problem, okay? It's not the kids. If you sit your child down and speak to them and say, hey, mommy and daddy have something to tell you to help keep you safer, number one, it shows you, that you care about them. And number two, by the time you're done, it, it brings a closer bond between parents and children. And the last thing you have to say to them is that we will believe you. We will listen to you. We will help you, okay? Now, if those children have those last few little sentences there in their mind, and if some pervert does come on, uh, you know, upon them, they will go to you. But if you haven't gotten that bond together with your child, you know, or maybe you did was teach them how to cross the street, that's good. They need to learn that. Or don't take candy, you know, from a stranger, especially today, right, with the fentanyl-laced uh, candy. I'm worried about Halloween. I may not even have it this year. I'm, I'm really skeptical that it wasn't that long ago they found, I don't know if it was a ton. I forget how much it was. It was a month ago of uh, laced candy with these Skittles. You know kids like Skittles, all right, and nerds. To me, a nerd was always some kid in school that was a bookworm. <laughs> I don't know. Now they have a candy after him. But anyway, the point is, um, those two candies, all right, we knew and, and heard about, they were laced with fentanyl. 
Now, that was a month ago, almost to the day. And it makes me nervous about Halloween, and maybe that's what they're just trying to do is make us nervous because they like to make us nervous. Okay. I'm not going to say any more about it, but just keep it in mind. So if you go to the NASCA website, um, you'll find David Pittman. I use him a lot, because, and he said I could, uh, it, because he ha- he offers all different instructions for parents to learn how to teach their children. You know, a lot of parents, they, they feel um, embarrassed, you know, to mention the body parts, and that's just ridiculous. We all have them, okay? And um, if you say in, in an even tone when you're talking to your children about their body parts, you have your head, you have your neck, you have your shoulders, you have your arms, you have your breasts if you're a little girl, um, you have your vagina if you're a little girl, There you have your stomach, you have your knees, you have your legs, you have your toes, then it's all in one, one type of tone. No giggling in between, none of this other silly stuff because the parents are really the ones that have a problem. And with the little boy, you do the same, except he has a penis, right? And you mentioned, as, I'm, as I spoke, the same type of, of um, tone. Now, you can, if he tells you what to say, how to say it, like I just did, um, and then also to an age bracket. It gives you sort of like an idea. And, and you know what, being that you're the kid's parents, uh, a lot of times when you're giving your child a bath, if they're still in the bath stage where mommy and daddy have to be in there or one or the other, whatever, um, they they themselves will say, well, what's this, what's that, what's it, you know what I'm saying? And um, be, be, you know, tell them the truth. Don't call a vagina coochie or a, a cookie, okay? <laughs> That's silly. And, and don't don't call a little boy's penis something else. Right? You don't do that. You tell them what it is, and I have personal beliefs for that and, and reasons. I won't go into it right this second. But believe me, when I was asked in the police department, where were you touched, I didn't know what to say either. So that's one of the things that I try to get across to parents. Um, you know, educate yourself, educate your children, and then maybe we can help put a little dent and the statistics, okay, of child abuse in the sense that they know the red flags, as we call it, the red flags of uh, bad behavior from adults or older siblings. This stuff can happen right in the family. Happened to mine, to me, okay? Um, It doesn't matter whether it's in the family or whether it's some kid down the street or some older person who's driving around in a car, all right? It can happen, and it does happen. It happens while we're speaking. While we're speaking, it's happening right now to a child. So I just want to get that across to people, okay? It's very, very important. Um, We have to worry about the safety of our children because all the stats have gone up. You know that I do a lot of research, and I can tell you that um, the stats for human trafficking have gone way up. And, ooh, they're really after, you should see my bulletin board. <laughs> no, you wouldn't want to see it. I'm going to take some of these down. Oops. But anyway, the point is um, they've all gone up. They've all gone up. That's just the way it is, all right? And kids being trafficked out, if you have a chance, see that movie. 
the, the, the silence of freedom. Please see that because, or is it the sound of freedom? I'm forgetting. I saw it about uh, two weeks ago. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. And um, the guy that, who is actually the star of it was also a, a survivor himself, okay? And that's important. Um, I didn't know if the movies were going to have a lot of people in there or not, but it was packed. And I'm glad it was packed because, uh, you know, that shows that people are at least taking an interest. We, the survivors, were always trying to get it out there. Um, we're trying to get it out there about what happens to kids, you know, uh, when they get abused. And, and how if you don't get help, how it goes over into your uh, adulthood, all right? So when you have a movie like what's out there, um, and, and it's very hot right now, and I will say that Hollywood, you probably know, Philip, I don't know if you know or not, um, I don't know, but uh, Hollywood had it five years ago, and they held on to it. Do you know why? There's perverts everywhere. And I remember growing up, and I would hear stories that um, when people were trying to become movie stars, turns out they were true, all right? Um, if they wanted to get a better part, a kid would want to get a better part, they had to go to the couch. Yeah. So that stuff happens in Hollywood. It happens everywhere. Where kids go, they go. And that means Disneyland. It means everywhere, okay? Camps, schools, whatever. That's where they go. They can align themselves a lot of times with jobs so that they're close to their prey. And that's P-R-E-Y. All right, and uh, then they just go itty meeny miny mo or whatever those sick uh, psycho monsters do. All right, but I can tell you this: they will look at the child who walks with their head down, who probably doesn't have any friends, who seems sad, um, maybe they're not dressed well, or, or they just look like they're sad people. All right, little people, <laughs> and, and those are the ones many times that they go after. These sicko psychos. They can come from very good homes. They can have nice cars. They can be married. All right. They can be married and have children of their own. And I've often wondered if they touched their own children or if they kept that for the ones outside their family unit. I can't answer that. Unless someone comes on the show, like myself, and I am a survivor of both. Okay in the family, and outside the family. So I'm sure I'm not unique, so it's probably happening in many different places, okay? So the parents that, that care about their children, really care about their children, have got to wake up. It's not about them. It's about their children. So let's try to do our best as parents, as grandparents, you know, to help our children stay a little bit safer. So educate yourself. Just go on NASCA website, N-A-A-S-C-A.org, NASCA.org, and look uh, look up where I told you, okay? And um, all the way over to the right-hand side, but not quite the last one, the one next to it, click on, and you'll have all kinds of information. One thing, too, that's good that's happening today, and it's been happening for a little while, people are writing books for children. And this is so, so important, because especially those parents that um, 
feel kind of like, you know, too embarrassed to talk about it or think it won't happen to my kid, right? That type of thing, that type of mentality. Um, these books are a good aid to help them, they're good tools to help them so they can, you know, talk to their children. And um, and kids don't mind looking at books like that. They're cartoon-like type things, okay? So they make it kid-friendly, let's put it that way. And uh, so kids will, you know, I think actually people should do that. It helps them along with what they have to say. And then also, too, the kids have these uh, pictures that they see. Now, I'm not talking about pornographic pictures, all right? I'm talking about um, pictures that just get the idea across, okay? And kids, you know, can um, can learn from it. So, all right, we've got that. We've got that. Okay. So what I'm going to talk about today... Our guest is not here again. I don't think she's quite able to come on. Um, I gave you a little bit of information about her, and um, I don't know. Maybe she's got second thoughts or something. I don't know. I don't know what's in her brain. So I know Bill claims that he had spoken to her during the week, and uh, she's not here. So anyway, if you want to be a part of this discussion tonight, the telephone number here is 646-595-2118. That's 646-595-2118. This is scan number again, 3265, 3265. Okay. Now, I get my information a lot of times from different places like Psychology Today. Um, I studied all this stuff, and, and um, a lot of it's good. So, And this is from Psych Central. And what I want to talk about is how childhood trauma can lead, all right, into adult life. And you have that terrible loneliness feeling because so many of us do. I don't care how much, you know, therapy you get. I said this last and I'm going to say this again because there's always a little something left over no matter how much therapy you get um, from what happened from before. And what this article uh, actually describes are the reasons why, okay, it, 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 you know, it hurts you socially. Um, you have trouble with your social skills with people, and, and it affects you emotionally. And um, what it can do is the studies do show, and I'll give out one name here, Jessica Frick, that's F-R-I-C-K, and she's a, a licensed uh, counselor, okay, practicing counselor. And it says uh, trauma significantly affects the brain. And it also helps, uh, you know, it can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing, okay? And it's how you process threats. And this is how people end up uh, developing hypervigilance. Now, anyone out there who has hypervigilance, like I do, I am so cool when it comes to (laughs) putting dishes away. I have one right arm that's good right now, so I'm using my right arm. And I, if it falls... I catch it before it even hits the counter. Oh, yeah. I'm like, poop. Well, people who suffer from hypervigilance, okay, I'm going to use the word suffer, all right, because it's not normal. I mean, I'm too quick, all right. Um, but when you have that problem, it comes from the past. It comes from flight. Flight, fight, fear. And also fawn. Fawn is another one, F-A-U-N, and freeze, okay. Um, I'll explain about fawn in a second, F-A-W-N. 
But your 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 nerves are like you're always ready to fight. You're always ready to flee. And so then you what happens is you develop the hypervigilance. That's one thing that can happen. Now, this is a mental issue, okay? It can become that, absolutely. It says often people have a hard time opening up to others about their abuse, especially if they were not given support or showed lack of disbelief. Like, I don't know about you guys, but if you tried to open up to people about what was happening to you, um, they'd make you feel guilty or maybe they wouldn't believe you. Or, uh, or maybe they didn't show any interest at all. Uh, go talk to someone else. <laughs> Get out of it. Go away, right? Um, if a child tried to tell, and, and this causes trust issues because that person is an adult, and maybe the kid thought, well, if I go to someone who can help me, they will help me, and then instead they get turned away, okay? And that, in turn, leads to destructive behavior, now, that's self-destructive behavior because no one will listen to them. It also causes resentment. I remember feeling terribly resentful uh, about a family member when I told about that person. And um, I didn't like what the person had to say that I told, you know. I mean, and I did build up terrible resentments, you know, feelings of resentment. And I'm sure a lot of people would do that, Okay. This uh, also affects how you um, connect to people. You don't trust people, all right? And and that's a shame, but that's the way it is. They feel different. We do feel different. I know I do. I don't know. I feel different, you know, than the average kid walking down the street who hasn't been sexually abused. Um, we get frightened easily. Um, last night we had a terrible thunderstorm here. Oh, my God. And... It could happen again, and I got frozen out. <laughs> My computer froze, and the phone turned off. I had no—I couldn't finish the show. And um, but the the sound of the thunder and lightning was so devastatingly loud, it felt like it was in my room here in my office, and I, I jumped like a maniac. I screamed, but no one heard it. I was already gone. <laughs> so, but I know what I did, and um. And that's because I walked home from school, and there were times when there were terrible thunderstorms. Thunderstorms aren't new, honey. They've been around forever, okay? This climate thing, baloney. Um, we go through this. It's, it's like in a cycle of itself. The environmental conditioning is in its, uh, it's like a, a cycle, whether it be in the home or whether it be with the weather. But I remember walking home, and there was no one to greet me or help me. And I, I jumped in a field. I found a field. And, and I, I was told in school, I remember being told that the highest point is what gets struck by lightning. So I jumped into this ditch that was full of water. Now, that wasn't very smart, but it was full of water. And I was down very, very low. And uh, I had to do that a couple times. And so now I'm terribly frightened of uh, thunderstorms, and, and I don't want to be out of them, okay? So if I hear loud noises like that, I'm like doggies and pussycats. They don't like it either, all right? That's just the way it is. So um, that's there should have been someone there to meet me in cases like that, but there wasn't, and that's just the way it goes. So we have trust issues, 
and uh, we have lack of trust of people. We suffer many times from the hypervigilance, like I said, um, and, and that too comes from like not being able to trust people and being yelled at, screamed at, um, and not believed when you try to approach them and, and tell them things. Then you develop your your brain is always in the hypervigilant stage, and that means survivor mode, which I'm going to get into. All right, but not right this second. Let me ask you something, Lori. Did you ever go through things like that where um, you tried to tell someone and they 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 walked away from you and and uh, or didn't care or whatever? Yeah, there. Well, I was from a family that got isolated. Uh, we lived on Long Island. The rest of city people, they were all city people. And they, we only saw them basically when somebody died at one of their funerals. My grandmother, maybe we saw once a year. The other grandmother, too much to help. But, um, yeah, I mean, you have to be like that. I mean, <laughs> when you come from a place that's not exactly normal for a variety of reasons, um, that's because we're all unique. Um, when you've got, like, a trauma coming at you, that starts to make you aware that things, you know, are are not as safe as you once thought. Because I think when you come in the world, you know, if you if you're not like a psychopath coming back, one of those, mm-hmm. I think you mm-hmm. pretty much have to learn to react. Instead, now we react because we learn very young. I don't think we're going to really be any different, no matter what we tell each other. Things you know just happen right then and there. There's a like a sound. My my thing is is sound. I get like that, and and that was because of my son. But yeah, that my trigger is sound. So anywhere I go, if I hear it, um, I immediately become uncomfortable, like unnerved and whatnot. And I'm usually looking, oh my God, is he in pain again? (laughs) That's what I I do. But, yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. It's not a it's not a good feeling living like that. I mean, when I go into, um, I, did, I think I said this a few weeks ago, but it's true. If I go into um, a restaurant, most people look for the ladies' room or the men's room, right? <laughs> I look for the exit door, all right? That's just the way it is because there's that that. that flight and fright and fear that we go through. We didn't, we didn't get over it. And um, I don't freeze. There have been times when I did freeze in certain situations. And it was always with violence because I saw far too much of that. But um, that would make me freeze. Uh, not run like I should have, <laughs> but I would freeze. So it, it's terrible how, you know, um, when you either witness violence or you're a part of violence, um, your your body responds in such a way that um, our brain, and I'm going to explain that in a second because I used to work at Greystone, so I had to learn all this stuff. But, you know, we have, you know, several types of brain uh, things to talk about here. And, and it explains why our behavior is as it is because of what happens to our brain, okay? And that's something to keep in mind. Let me ask Philip. Philip, um, do you have any type of fears or things that can make you freeze or or anything like that? Or run? 
Yes, I freeze all the time. All the time. All the time. See, that's bad when you have that feeling all the time. Or if you're in a situation, okay, where you're on, on, on nerve, you're unnerved, I should say, you know, where you're in that flight feeling or, you know, whatever. That can take a toll on your body, and it definitely takes a toll on your brain, absolutely. And that's what happens. When we're, when we're out there and we're amongst people, say, say you're living in a very, very rough area, okay? I'm going to use that. And there's too many fights going on and, and all kinds of things going out on the street because, you know, I'm urban and, and Lori's urban. Philip, I don't know if you're urban or not. I don't know if you've ever been. But um, it's not something that you actually get used to. I mean, you do and you don't, but there's certain things that, you know, will scare the hell out of you, okay? If I'm walking down a city street, and I love the city better than the country, I'm sorry, that's just the way I am. I must be nuts, I don't care. <laughs> but I'm walking by an alleyway. Um, an alleyway, you know, might make me a little bit unnerved, you know, feeling nervous because you don't quite know what's in. Something could pop out, like a person or whatever. But um, so I might speed up a little bit past the alley, then I'm okay again. Um, I personally like the city better because I blend in, okay? I blend in with the people. And, uh, you know, like almost anything goes in the city. We all know this, okay? So you're not someone that's going to stand out. You're not going to stand out. You can easily more blend in. And then, of course, the cities, you know, they offer so much more. Um, I saw over 50 Broadway shows. I mentioned that last night. I mean, how many people can say that, right? And I'm going to go back to more once the city calms down again, if it ever does, all right? Um, you know, but um, I love Broadway, and uh, I loved Coney Island. I loved Coney Island. Coney Island goes up and down, you know, as far as all kinds of problems and stuff. And I think it's actually not as bad right now as it was uh, a few years ago. So it goes up and down. But I, I remember even as a child, a small child, being on Coney Island, going in and playing this silly game, where you take this, this bag-type thing filled with whatever, and you throw it, um, and if it hit a certain part of, um, like, a hole-type thing, you'd get tickets. And, if it, you know, if it was in... Hole number five, you get five tickets. If it's in hole number 16, you get 16 tickets. And then you could take those tickets over to this person who's standing on the other side of the room. They give you 16 tickets, and then you get yourself a toy. So I was just a little kid. I've been going into the city ever since I was four, and I was born in New York. I was born upstate, and uh, then we ended up moving to Staten Island. But we ended up in Brooklyn a lot, and... um, I had relatives that lived in Brooklyn, and then we ended up over there in, in Sheepshead Bay and, and also around the Coney Island area. So I had a lot of years of, of uh, with uh, being in New York City, and I, I really liked it and prefer it. Okay, there's all kinds of problems here. I wanted to calm down now. I've seen enough, okay? I'm sure Lori, heck, she moved away from me. She said, get me out of here. <laughs> so, yeah, I escaped. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, there's... It's not good there. It's not. You're right. I mean, it's. No. I could tell you firsthand. It is not good there. It is not safe. It doesn't even look like it used to. You know, know. it's no place. It's, it's there's true. no place. There's too many people that have come in 
and take taken you know wherever the little homes on mostly like on the street you go and find them every place is tagged somebody owns it so no New York is definitely not the place to visit right now okay I'll stay home <laughs> thank you my my granddaughter goes there she's 23 and um usually her boyfriend goes with her but he hates the city he really does he hates it he doesn't know the city from way back when, you know, from when it was, you know, a, a much better place. And, um, you know, what he sees is, you know, what he sees today, and he hates it. So then she'll go with friends, and I worry about her until she does get home because I do watch the news so much. I see what's going on in the city streets. And, of course, it's not just New York. It's at Chicago. It's San Francisco. It's other areas. I mean, it's all over the place, all right, any place that has the, uh, a city in it you know, many times it's just changed, like you said, and what a shame, because it offers so much cultural things, too. You go to all different kinds of places in the city, you know, to learn and to see, and, um, I mean, to me, it was just a much better, you know, place to go. But anyway, it's not that way today. So, the survivor avoids connecting with people because we don't trust them. They feel different because they've been through too much, and they're frightened and alone. I know people, and myself included, I mean, if I was in this house without my cat, and people might say, oh, she's only a cat, okay? This cat is like my little companion. I swear to God, she talks to me. She's almost like the, the kitty cats on the, on the Internet, <laughs> where they have them like they're talking and they're not really talking. But <laughs> I have taught her to say, nah! When she gets mad, and honey, she does it. She wants certain food. She wants this. She wants that. And she lets me know, all right? She's almost like having a little kid in the house. Well, she's getting very old now. And um, my cat breed doesn't live to be past 12 usually, and she's like 11 and a half now. It's scaring the hell out of me, and she doesn't look the same. And someday I'll have to get me another one. Um and then, of course, dogs are wonderful companions. I've had dogs, too. And um, to, But what happens with people like us, though, is, all right, you might go out and get a dog, and dogs do respond more to people, you know, than cats. I admit that. But I still think she's brilliant. I don't care what anyone says. But and anyway, the point is there's still that feeling of loneliness. There's something like the dog will serve a purpose for a while, Okay, maybe it's one of those trained dogs, you know, that they have out there. It doesn't matter what kind. Or maybe it's just a regular dog. The dog will, you know, be a joy to you, but you always feel like there's something missing. So the dog doesn't take the place of that missing thing, nor does the cat. Okay? And this is because of the way that we were brought up, um, what we saw in our life, what we experienced. Uh, violence, sexual abuse, being beaten, um, being hungry, um, you know, not having enough clothing, being bullied, um, being neglected, all the things that we've been through on NASCAR, there's so many of us have gone through so much, you know. And uh, we don't take your sticks here. We don't do that. Because even one trauma is too many for a child sometimes. And they'll go through, I don't know, it depends on the kid, but they'll go through... Um, that trauma as if they'd gone through 25 traumas, if you know what I'm saying, with another child. So, um, but the point is trauma is trauma, 
and how we respond to it is is an, a different thing. And if we don't get help as we're growing up, like so many of us didn't, I had to wait until I was, what was I, 30-something before I got actual help. Um, and then we have all those years, you know, behind us. And we've had years where our phobias or whatever it was that we go through, whether the hypervigilance or, or whatever it is, um, has had years to nestle in, if you will, and, and get even stronger and, and, and nastier, okay? And um, then all that work has to be done if we're going to be happy, productive people. And none of this was our fault, Okay. I don't forgive the people that abused me, Lori. And I'm a Christian. But I don't forgive them because they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing when they did it. And it says in the Bible that children are a gift from God. So if you go and hurt a child in in a way, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, all this other stuff, sexually, then you're actually going, you're spitting in God's face, all right? He gave you a gift. He gave you a child. Children are supposed to be gifts. Sometimes they don't act like they're gifts. I I admit that. (laughs) But on the other hand, that's what they are. And we're supposed to take good care of them. And if we don't, then we should be held accountable for their actions too, all right, because we didn't help treat them right. So when kids grow up in bad homes, dysfunctional homes, um, environmental conditioning has so much to do with how a person grows up. And all the studies that have been done show that to be true. Uh, you're going to have a violent home. Your chances are you're going to have a violent kid. Okay. And these kids that grow up volatile, um, they end up in prison. And um, when I worked at, uh, at uh, Juvie, I, of course, had access to all kinds of records and everything. I just had to take them to court and all kinds of stuff, handcuffed, because we dealt with that type of element of kid. Uh, they committed adult crimes. Um, of course, I knew their past. I was a part of it, you know, working with the judge and, and social service. So um, the homes need to be gone into better, okay? Remember, we're a product of what we see so often. And I saw an awful lot. You saw an awful lot. My God. Uh, poor Lori, she went flying out the window two stories high. I can't even picture that. And, uh, and uh, I'm telling I you, I saw my face. I, I don't <laughs> I, You know, people say they have out-of-body experience. All I know is that while I was hanging on... I was able to see my face. I was terrified. It is terrifying. I think the most horrifying thing that happened to me with all the sexual abuse and all the other stuff, right? Um, But something a little different was because I squealed, if you will. That's what I was called, a squealer. Well, excuse me. Um, I got chased by a vehicle. (laughs) I'm seven and a half years old. And I got chased by a vehicle. The guy was going to run me down because I squealed. He meant business. I can't even begin to tell you the fear factor. Now, you're hanging on a windowsill or something or whatever the heck you did, and then you got down the ground 
I'm like, splat. Oh, my God. You broke your back in the places. <laughs> I know. And I'm not oh, yeah, being chased in the vehicle. Oh, it's scary. My God. Thank God we can laugh about it now. I can laugh. I, I can, just like you. I can't believe that I survived it. Yeah, right? It, too much. It's, it's ridiculous. It's to happen to a person, but it happened to a, a little person. person. A little person, right? I, I would just say I'm, worry about your height. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's ridiculous what, what kids go through when they're being horribly abused. I mean, it just simply is, okay? I mean, I've got stories that would curl your hair, and you wouldn't have to worry about curling it. You don't curl your hair anyway, but I'm saying if someone had straight hair, they'd have curled hair, all right? Because um, it was that horrific. But I don't like you know, like going backwards too much. Sometimes you have to go backwards when you want to get into the healing process. You're ready for it because you have to look backwards so you can move forwards. And um, so that's just a part of getting on to the healing journey. That's why people come on, they tell their stories, right? And um, because that's the beginning of, of healing. You have to tell their story to someone. And, 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 you know, to get that all off of their chest, okay, I told her 13 years ago here, and I'm, I'm still here, all right, because I became a part of NASCAR. And uh, two years before that, with a Canadian girl, so it's 15 years on the radio. I'm right at home on the radio. So, you see, um, a part of healing, though, we do have to go backwards so we can go forwards and move forward. But, yes. You and I are able, I don't know about Philip, I don't know his story, So, but you and I, um, you know, were able to look at horrific things that happened and, and wonder how the heck did we make it out of that, you know. We're still here. And there's tons of people on NASCAR who can say the same blasted thing. How the heck did I make it? So today, we're in a different spot. I'm in a different spot, okay? I, I can honestly say that I am. I can't talk for other people. But I've changed, so. And I had to change because I turned into a really wild little girl, <laughs> you know, and um, was with wild people. I was with wild people for some time there, and then they were dying or they were going to jail, and I decided, you know what? I don't want to do that. And uh, I did have police officers chasing me down the street one night. And, honey, I beat them. Yes, I did. I told you I was an athlete. (laughs) I got away from them. But I I changed my life because that's what we have to do so often, Lori. Um, If we're in bad situations, it's up to us, too, to do the work. And it's not fun. It's not easy. But it's doable. And then by the time you get it to a certain point on your healing journey, you feel so much better. And it doesn't have to take years. It doesn't have to. All right? You can, you know, you can change your life. You can do other things. And you learn how to um, make yourself happier. Too many times I get those phone calls from someone who's stuck. And they don't want to move forward because some of the times they enjoy that. You know, they enjoy the attention that they're getting. Oh, I feel sorry for you. All this stuff. 
but that's not a solution. You can feel sorry for me. I can feel sorry for you. I can feel sorry for Philip. I can feel sorry for the guy down the street who was abused, maybe, whatever, Um, and certainly the children who are being abused. But if we don't change, you know, when we get older, if we don't change ourselves, if we're not open to going and getting help, and if we're not open to um, changing ourselves too, looking at the truth, because a lot of times we do turn delinquent. And that's why there's so many females and, and males in prison. They came from backgrounds, many of them. I mean, the stats are very high on that. I heard 85% of women had been abused one way or another, okay, that are in, in prison. That's the last stat I heard. And that was not long ago. So if that's the truth, if it, if that's the truth, then they didn't try to change themselves somewhere along the line. Maybe they never went for help. All right, maybe they never went for help. And, and and that's very, very bad because then they're going to end up doing bad things. And uh, what a shame. I look at that letting the people who violated us in whatever way it was winning. Because look at where those people are. Okay, they're in prison. All right. So I, I don't want that for me. You get to a certain point on the healing journey where you uh, learn to love yourself. You just simply do, all right? You do that, all right, and you want better for yourself. The impact of trauma on the brain, okay. In the United States, over 3.6, and I do say over because this is about two years old, so it's probably pretty accurate, though. In the United States, over... 3.6 of adults have PTSD. Now, that comes from the National Alliance on Mental Health, okay, and mental illness. Or just to put it shorter, NAMI, N-A-M-I. It affects the brain, okay, and there's three parts of the brain. One part of the brain houses your, your survivor instincts. This is what we were talking about before, okay, the survivor instincts and manages um, the body process. How? It regulates the heartbeat. It regulates your breathing. And it regulates whether you're hungry or thirsty. Now, that's one part of the brain. The other part of the brain is a little bit more complex than that. But um, still in all, this contains the limbic system, which processes emotions like joy and fear. It also regulates attachments and reproduction. That's kind of a strange thing to have lumped in one, but that's what it says. It also regulates attachment and reproduction. And then the third part of the brain, it processes learning, memory, decision-making, and complex problem solving. Now, the brain has an awful lot of work to do, okay, when we go through all this stuff, because it has to know what to do with it. When you suffer trauma, the brain actually shuts down. Let's say, okay, uh, one of you two are walking down the street and somebody jumps you. Okay, the fear factor is going to set in, all right? It should anyway. And... um 
you're going to either respond to it or, you, unfortunately, you might freeze like some people do. I don't know. I did it a couple times. I don't know why, but I did. Um, and uh, even if I had something on me, maybe I wouldn't have been able to say well, I had a knife. I'll just say that. Um, to to do what I had to do, <laughs> you know, to protect myself, all right? We all have a right to protect ourselves. Now, this activates the sympathetic uh, nervous system, and that releases stress hormones, preparing survivor into the flight mode or the fight mode or, unfortunately, the freeze and then they have the newer one, which I'm familiar with. It's called Fawn, F-A-W-N. And those people, they don't do anything. They just stand there. They get whatever happens to them. And then they turn into people who become people pleasers. Please like me. <laughs> you know, um, I'll do this. Please bite me. No, 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 no. Okay. But that is another thing that they've come up with, with the DSM. And that's like the uh, the Bible for the medical people, the AMA. Okay, so they have fawn, F-A-W-N, which is recognized. Okay, once the threat has passed, again, you just got jumped and stuff. Once the threat has passed, your brain goes back to normal, and that's what it's supposed to do. However, for some who suffer permanent PTSD, the brain is always on survivor mode. Now, Philip, you just said something a couple minutes ago. You said, like, you're constantly on guard. So you might be one of those people on the PTSD mode where the brain is always on survivor mode. You see what I'm saying? That could happen. That could happen. Okay. Um, the brain and the amygdala and the hippocampus and uh, the front lobal cortex and the nervous system. Okay. I don't want to get you into that because it's too complex. But people who suffer from um, chronic PTSD, APA, um, usually those are people who may suffer with the following. Rage, anxiety. We're going to break this down. Irritability, flashbacks nightmares, panic attacks, memory issues, trouble making decisions, difficulty in thinking, and concentrating and learning concerns. Oh brother. Can you think of any Lloyd, can you think of any um survivor who doesn't go through a lot of that? No. <laughs> because she you go through all the, yeah. We we That's, do go through all of that. How can we that's not? That's nuts. That's I, I, I think that's <laughs> nuts, okay? Because I can't, I can't I can't think of a time when I wasn't filled with rage. Okay, one time I was really filled with rage. Oh my god. I probably needed to be put somewhere to uh kick uh, bags and stuff or whatever, but I was really filled with rage. Anxiety, hello. Do you have anxiety? Oh god, yeah, I still do. It was so rough, they, you know, way back when. I, my anxiety came from being beaten all the time. And, yeah, my father, and with the fighting that was going on in the house. I mean, I'm living with sick, really sick 
that people should be in the psych ward or on medication. That kind of sick. That's what I grew up with. So, yeah, well, that's created a lot of anxiety. And since everything else is formed from that, um, I end up still here with a lot of anxiety. But I got good reason. (laughs) Some things you can control and some things you just, just happen, you know. Some people don't, you know. They can deal with it better as they get older. Depends on the circumstances. I think, you know, everybody has. Let's just say you're a person who had a normal life, okay? And and I'm a person that had a normal life. It's so funny. Oh, stop I had a being life. funny. Yeah, I know. <laughs> really. I used to watch normal people, and I used to get so jealous of them. At least I thought they were normal. I don't know. But there's everyone has anxiety in their life. The normal day stressors. Oh, I've got to hurry up. I'm going to be late to work. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to get home. I have to make dinner. Oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. That's normal anxiety, okay? Um, and maybe you're a little bit on a, a, a tight schedule there. Uh, hey, maybe you have a husband that would yell at you if he came home and your dinner wasn't made. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Heck with him. You're doing all these other things. That's what I used to go through. Oh, my God. Working heavy-duty jobs and come home, cook, clean, take care of hubby, take care of house, take care of kids, and uh, uh, who takes care of us, okay? So, yeah, I was filled with anxiety and probably a little bit of resentment, too, because my husband wasn't the type of guy, my second husband I'm talking about, wasn't the type of guy that would do things around the house. He wouldn't help. I think it should be 50-50. If you're going to be a woman who goes out and, and works a full-time job and uh, then you come home, you have children, you have, you know, children in the house that have to be taken care of, you have dinner to make, you have dishes to do or whatever, and, and, and anything else that needs to be done in the house. I think hubby could help out a little bit, don't you? Absolutely. But he never grew up, so I'm ending up taking care of a two-child because my son... A little bit better, <laughs> but, you know, they don't wipe their feet. You know, they don't sweep a floor. They, they don't hand you a dish. You know, stuff like that. They expect it. You know, yeah. I'm tired of it. I don't blame you. I would get tired of that, too. Um, let me think. Marty, he's been gone for five years. He died five years ago. Oh, my God. What's the date? September 8th. Yeah, he died five years ago yesterday, the 7th. No, 17th. I have to look it up. I'm forgetting. I think I pushed him out of my mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think it's either the 7th or the 17th. But anyway, he wasn't the type that would, um, you know, pick up dishes, you know, from dinner or anything like that. He wouldn't do that either. He would never. I did the mowing of the lawn. Okay. Uh, every place that we lived that had a lawn, um, I did the mowing. But you see, he had a bad heart. Well, I have a little bit of a bad heart too. But his, he ended up with a double bypass. So all right, so I would feel sorry, and I would, you know, do the lawn, and you know, the lawn mower went by itself. It's not as if it was a, a push mower or something. And I would shovel the sidewalks because you have to. That's the law, right? And um. 
I, I think back. I'm thinking back. You made me think back. That's what you did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, and take care of the house, and and, and working full time jobs, and and uh, taking care of the kids until they're old enough to really take care of themselves. And um, yeah, women have it harder than men. I'm sorry, and I'll probably get a letter or something. But anyway, the point is, yeah, that can cause anxiety. How about irritability? Who doesn't have irritability? <laughs> I have to laugh again because I should live in this house. <laughs> my son, my husband, especially my son, oh, my God, by the time he gets up, if he's not in the mood, you have to stay away. <laughs> you can't oh my go God. in there. You can't look at him. You can't walk into another room while, you know, he's making breakfast. <laughs> no sound. I never met such an irritable person. Oh my God! So go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I know. I hear you. Now this this is a uh, this is crazy. What's going on here? The APA. That's the American uh, Physicians Association. Okay, Psychiatric Association, and they're coming up with this. I wonder what kind of houses they live in. It's not like what we lived in, okay? <laughs> no, it can't be. Okay. Um, so then, of course, our irritability, a lot of times we can have flashbacks. Um, I don't know. You see, I never really had a flashback. I mean, I think about the past at times, things that happened. But it's not the same as a flashback, okay? Um, I don't know. Do you have flashbacks? Yeah, I do, especially at night. It, they never left. They never left. You know, the trauma for um, you know, one person one time is is horrendous um, with how it affects them. But with me, it was every single day. I'm not convinced from when I came home from the hospital until I was 16. And what stopped was I met my who, the people who became my adopted family um, mm-hmm. dad was a cop and I, my father obviously knew what he was doing was not right so he basically let off off of me so um, it was strange but yeah because it was so, and if it was during the day so anytime there was nobody around you know, he would call for me and that lasted my 16 years so I I cannot I can't fathom you know not having nightmares and flashbacks and you know anxiety attacks just from you know even thinking of him does something remind you of him or you know I'm, like the other day I'm flipping through channels and I'm seeing what's that show all the family with Archie Bunker I found that <laughs> show horrendous I mean I was so unbelievably pissed off that that somebody would actually air a show like that. Yet mm-hmm. there goes my father in the living room was became hysterical laughing mm-hmm. the whole time through. Mm-hmm. It was his favorite show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is, well it was funny. Yeah. It, it, I know well he was he was too racist, that's what he was. Okay. Yeah. And he I mean it was horrible. 
<laughs> yes, and and um, but some of the skits were funny. I mean, I would laugh at times. Marty loved that show. Okay, he loved oh, Edith it. was funny. Edith was funny. But him, so it was always like, on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad that it, it ceased to exist. Yeah, mm-hmm. I watched it like the other day, just the beginning of it. Yeah, of course I had a flashback. And I see my father sitting in his recliner with a cigarette in his mouth, laughing his head off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That that show did very, very well. And yet it had a lot of, uh, yes, a lot of racist things, and I didn't like that part of it. Um, yeah. And look at how he spoke, like, he spoke to his wife. What, what do you call her? Um, Edith. Oh, yeah, Edith. Oh, my God. So like I thought it was illegal to put something like that on. Yeah, I not really did. Dum- was... Not Dumbo. What do you call it? I can't. I can't remember. Dingbat. Dingbat. Yeah, Dingbat. There you go. Okay, Dingbat. Yeah, it had a lot of things in it that were not nice. She okay. was good to put up. He with played it well. Let's put it that way. Oh my God. Did Too he well. Ever? Yeah, yeah, maybe it was a part of him, part of his fiber. I like to say fiber because that's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't well, like stuff we, like go... that. Huh? I don't like stuff like that. No, I don't either. I mean, look, I, I grew up with that too in, in my family, you know. Um, my mother hated, they, they both hated, my mother and stepfather hated Italians. And uh, if I um, then I find out years later from uh, the ancestry that I have Italian in me, and um, you know my mother got raped out. I popped. We all know this. I've said it enough. That's the way it is. And you know, she always hated me. And she didn't tell me. My grandmother told me, and my stepfather told me. Okay, I found that out years later. So now I know why she wasn't a mother to me. And believe me, she was not a mother to me. Okay, but she would sit at the table, and my stepfather. Um, would sit there also, and he would talk about the Italian people, okay, the guineas, the wops, all this other stuff. And uh, and then with the Jewish people, oh, Lord Jesus, boy, would he talk about them. And so I heard all of this stuff as I was growing up. So what did I do? I started going out with Italian boys, <laughs> right? And, um, and then I ended up marrying, the second time around, a, a Jewish guy. Well, my mother hated me for even doing those two things. I mean, she hated me anyway. She told me she did. And there was no, gee, does she like me? Does she love me? No, there was none of that. She always told me we would never be friends, and she meant it. Okay. So I don't know if I did it out of spite, if there was a little part of my brain thought, you know, I'll fix them. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But um, my marriages didn't turn out well anyway, so whatever. So let's go down to, okay, the nightmares. Well, who doesn't have nightmares? Mine used to be that I was always being chased. I was always being chased. And um, it was a very frightening feeling. Uh, I turn around, and you know those uh, Spartacus movies where they have the lanterns and stuff? You, so, you see them running through the woods at nighttime because they're chasing someone? Well, that mm-hmm. was my type of nightmare. I was on top of a mountain, like I am today, <laughs> and and people were chasing me, and if I came to the edge, I knew that I would fall to my death, and then I wake up. 
Now, they say that if you don't wake up, I don't know if it's true or not, but they say that if you fall down that mountain or that cliff or whatever it is that you're running on, um, you die in your sleep. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> I really don't know. But I'm glad that I woke up, okay? I really am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the type of dreams I have. I'm always running from something. I always wake up um, in a sweat because I really think oh, I'm yeah. going to die in the, mo- in the dream. Yeah. I don't like those either. No. <laughs> there are things I wish I didn't have to deal with. I think I think that's probably a very common dream um, among survivors. Because think about it, um, especially when you've had it done more than one time. You know, it's a repetitive type of thing. So naturally, you're going to have many people in your mind's eye. I mean, you're running from them. There's your fear factor. Okay, you're running from these people. Um, you certainly don't want them to catch you because you don't want them to touch you. See, they all sort of like go together. And um, you're on top of a mountain, and, and you get to the edge, and um, you feel like a, a part of us has died. They kill us spiritually. They can, you know, kill us mentally so that we have all these things, uh, rage, anxiety, irritability, flashbacks, nightmares, panic attacks, memory issues, trouble, making decisions, difficulty in thinking and concentrating and learning and, and concern. We'll get to the other ones. I'm just saying, that's this whole list. From the APA. So when we have our nightmares, when we have our nightmares, I think it's a, a, a flashback in a sense, like fragmented uh, flashback. It, it doesn't like, um, I mean, my guys, I'm telling you, they're all guys, and, and they were um, they were all like from the, what, what was that, the 1500s or something, when they were running around with those lanterns? I don't know. But, um, you know, like Spartacus and things like that. Um, it was that type of people, those type of people, you know, that wore the helmets and all the other stuff that they had on, you know, and, and the, uh, cool, the armor. Yeah and, and, yeah, and the armor, yeah, and, and the armor and all that stuff. And and they chased, uh, they, were, they were all chasing me. What the heck's the matter with these people, you know, <laughs> chasing after me like that. But, you know, that's that was always my worst nightmare, and I would have it time after time after time as I was going into my healing journey and through my healing journey. And uh, I hope I don't have it tonight because I haven't had it in a long time, but now I'm really talking about it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was a very, very, very scary uh, nightmare for me. That, that was bad. Philip, do you have nightmares? I don't know if he's near the phone. Okay, whatever. Yeah, that is just my answer to these questions. Okay, that's all right. Now, panic attacks. That's why I wrote my book, Panic Child. I wrote it for a reason, for people to understand what panic is and for what happens to turn you into the panic mode. I mean, horrific panic. That's why I probably have a little bit of heart problem. You know, because, you see, they have learned, the scientists, the the, the doctors, they all agree that um, when a child goes through a terrible type of, of lifestyle like most of us have here, okay, it damages your body. I don't have to tell you that. Uh, probably everybody, all right, the fibromyalgia, I've spoken about that recently. 
um, that's a definite. They've linked that to, uh, you know, to children who have been abused one way or another, physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, neglect, whatever. And um, it causes trauma. So that's your body screaming out. It's screaming out. And in case someone hasn't heard this before, Laurie, I know you have. I, I mentioned it one time. I'm going to mention it again about the doctors because that makes it even more legitimate. It makes you, if you're, you know, questioning yourself if you have fibromyalgia and uh, someone said that maybe you did and then you see what I saw online one night, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, right? Um, these two doctors were there and the one doctor suffered from it. The other guy didn't. And uh, But they were colleagues. And they weren't trying to sell anything, you know, those gimmicks that you see on, on the, you know, on, on the Internet. It wasn't anything like that. They were just simply talking about fibromyalgia. I happened to run into it, and I was so thankful that I did, okay? And um, if you have an attack of fibromyalgia, it's not really supposed to last more than 14 days. Now, that's what this one doctor said. And But he had, and he wasn't going to go into his home life. He wasn't going to tell his story. But he, he let you know that he came from a background where there was a lot of stress and a lot of anger. And um, that, in other words, it wasn't a very good life, okay? Now, this is the one that had it. And um, he developed it. And they've learned now that people can develop fibromyalgia even in teenage years. I remember hearing kids saying, oh, I'm so achy. I heard here, I heard there, and they were teenagers. And what did they call it? They called it growing pains, right? Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember now that word, yeah, growing pains. Yeah. Luckily, uh, I was lucky enough. I had it since I was 17. Mm-hmm. I couldn't move my legs. Yeah, legs. it usually affects the legs. It does. I've never had yeah. it in my arms or my shoulders. It's always been um, my legs. That's it. My legs. No, I got my whole body like that. People always ask me, like, in that kind of pain, which is what they put me out on, the Social Security, how do you function? And I say slowly and I take my mind off the pain by doing something when... For my world, it's color. For other people, you know, whatever their hobbies are, it's the whole way you put your mind. And we have control over our minds. That's yes, what I do, do for my fibro. Um, we can live through pain. I mean, yes, I uh, because of my arm and that, that blasted shot that I got, um, <laughs> I've tried all kinds of different painkillers. I don't like them. I don't even like the way they make me feel. Okay, I I take them in halves. Otherwise, I walk into the wall. <laughs> I do. I walk into the wall. I smashed my nose one night. I've told you that. Other people don't know it now. They know it. And uh, I didn't need to smash my nose. <laughs> no, I I can't take um, a full dose of uh, painkillers. Maybe it's because I used to pop pills. I don't know. Who the heck knows? I don't know what the answer is. But I do know this. Um, if I try to take codeine, I only take, I cut it in half. I got one of those things that cuts pills, right? And um, I take the smallest half and try to live with it. 
because if I take a full one, I don't like the way it makes me feel. It makes me feel stoned and weird. It, it's not even a good high, if you will, all right? It makes me feel just weird, and I don't like it. So Tuesday I will not be on the show, I told Bill that, um, because I'm going to get a shot, another shot. Let's see if it helps. Um, the only problem with the shots that they offer for the type of injury that I have in my arm is that they don't last long. They might last for a week or two if you get a good one, one that agrees with you. So that's like a week or two of relief maybe. And it's not even 100%, but it's like 80%, and that's better than nothing. Last night, Lori, I could not sleep because I didn't know how to position my arm. Okay, and I, I was I was I was sleeping sitting up trying to, and and I kept getting tingling down from this is nerve damage, tingling down into my fingers from my shoulder, and I I couldn't get comfortable. Well, some people might have said, Carol, why didn't you get up and take a half of a codeine? Because I don't want to get I don't want to get um, addicted to them. Okay, I have a little problem. Well, many of us had problems. I don't want to get like that again. So then I found out if I lie on my side and, and put my arm on my hip, you know what I'm saying, like like on your hip, um, for some reason that was somewhat helpful, but only for a while. Then I ended up putting a pillow under my, my hand and my arm, but still on my side. And then I was able finally to go to sleep. That was 7.30 this morning. Wow. That's I nuts. tell you, when I go to bed, this this is from a pro with fibro for like so many years, every position. After they had me in the hospital for four hours on the bed, and my back was so bad that they were giving me morphine and uh, whatever mm. comes after it, doing nothing. I had a, the problem of sleeping with that position because I was on a gurney for like four hours. I had to prop myself up when I got home on my side. I sleep with a pillow between my knees, a pillow between my arms, even when they're bent or they're out by the hip, and, of course, the one for the head. And then that kind of, like, settles everything. Everything should be you know, working as best as it can. And that's just what it's going to unfortunately be what you have to do now. You know, cause it's awful. It's horrible, I know. But you, this is what you're going to have to put up with. You're going to have to learn to put up with it. It's hard. Well, they, won't, they won't operate on me, okay? I mean, no, I have a torn won't. rotator cuff too, all right? I got two and, of those um, too. They're not going to well, operate they, on you. They're not going to no. do anything for you. So you no. have to do what makes you feel comfortable. And sleeping on your side with your hip, on a pillow, with your arm, whatever way you do it, either sitting up or whatever, whatever is right for you, that's what you stick with. Don't let these doctors tell you anything else other than what you know already. Well, it's a, this is the worst it's been now. We've had so much rain, and now I've gotten osteoarthritis on top of it all, on top of the injured area. It's showing, don't forget, I have four MRIs, and I've got four reports. So no one can, uh, you know, try to switch things around here or whatever. 
because I didn't have osteoarthritis when this happened to me from a bad shot, I will say it publicly, given improperly. Um, I did not have it. And now in the last year and a half, and I've had it now, what, almost three years going on from the bad shot, uh, now all of a sudden, in the last year, I guess it's been, I've, I've developed the uh, osteoarthritis plus the injury in one arm. So it makes it very, very difficult. It absolutely does. And it's uh, it's depressing if I let it be, but I won't let Okay, let me go to another one. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Um, yeah, panic attacks. That gives me panic. Okay. Memory issues. Boy, Jesus, I can't believe someone's trying to call me while I'm doing the show. All right, I'm just going to ignore it. I don't know if you can hear that or not. All right. No. Um, memory issues. Um, do you have trouble with memory issues? Do you really want me to answer that one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is a really funny show tonight. Of course, these, these, these people are funny. I can't help it. This is the APA, okay? And I swear by mm-hmm. them. But I have to admit that some of these things, um, people have problems with memory issues anyway. I mean, like when you get older, and I won't say that word because I'm not there yet. Don't ask me. Oh, no, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. You're not there yet. No, no, no. I didn't have so many hits to the head. I know my memory would be better. But like I got my first concussion, I was two years old. The fourth story, the two-story, throw out the window thing, as I now mm-hmm. put it, happened at four. I mean, it across the back of my head. <laughs> I oh my god! Everything from there. It was school, the whole thing was. I mean, I used to end up stealing the teacher's desk. He had his, his test papers. I would go in there. <laughs> I had another oh go god. looking out. Yeah, because I couldn't remember what he was teaching. And the, uh, we'd rip it out the page, we'd go home, fill in all the answers, write it on mm-hmm. our arms, take the test, and we look smart. <laughs> well, they asked me yeah, the guys... of uh, any place, I had no clue. Was, uh, I just cannot remember. So, yeah, well, I it, never had a chance. It happens, it happens, honey, when you get hit in the head too often. My mother used to punch yeah. me in the head. Now I usually was usually it was switching my legs out, and I'd get waltz. Is that why my legs hurt? Maybe it's a, I don't know. I can't answer that. All right, but um, boy, that used to piss me off. <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I don't have too many uh, memory issues. But um, you know, I mean, everyone has some. Okay, I'm not putting my keys in the refrigerator yet. Like that commercial, remember that? Oh my God, that was so funny. I, I'm not, I'm not doing that yet. Um, I did ask someone that was over here the other day about a week ago um, if that person had my keys, and yeah, I had a little memory issue that day, but that could be just something else. <laughs> but usually, I don't have memory issues. All right, trouble making decisions. Um, hmm. <laughs> Oh, I'm sort of like stuck in the middle. <laughs> sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Okay, that's true. But um, um, let me think. <laughs> yeah, which time? Which time? Right. Um, I, I think a lot of people have. I've learned to do something with my decision making, though. I have to say, I look at it squarely in the face, whatever it might be. 
And then I think to myself, what is the best for me or for someone else or for the situation itself? And when you, like, compart- you know, put it in compartments, like, when you do that and, and you, like, tear it apart a little bit, it sort of, like, uh, helps you to um, get, a, you know, a better idea of what's right and what's wrong, better for you and whatever. But, yeah, I have some difficulty with that. Um, difficulty in thinking. Are you nuts? That's the next one. Difficulty in thinking. Duh. We just said we're having trouble with making decisions at times. I don't know. Let's go to the next one. Um, concentrating and learning concern. Concentrating and learning concern. There are a lot of people who go through an awful lot of grief who become so numb that they can't feel. Okay. And and that's what they're referring to here. I understand that. Um, uh, They have no concern. They're like, they've gone through so much that they just don't give a crap anymore. You know what I'm saying? And they're just like, they don't have any um, empathy maybe. They're, They're lacking empathy. Um, there's certain things like that that people go through um, who have gone through so much and they just sort of like have given up because that's what that means, learning concern. They don't have concern for themselves either. And those people might very well um, be drinking far too much, uh, be you know, uh, be drug addicts and all this other stuff. So they wouldn't be able to have uh, the ability to have concern for anyone else the only thing they're thinking about is getting rid of their pain, okay? And that's, I don't like the way they worded that, but I, I learned that, and I know that's what they mean. That's what they're referring to. Because when a drug addict, whether it be alcohol uh, pills or, or whether it be shooting up or, or snorting or whatever they're doing, um, their only concern is getting their next fix. But to be able to look out of the box, okay, to be able to look out and beyond, um, to learn having concern for other people, they would have to stop what they're doing, and then that's a learning process, something that maybe they weren't able to do before. Now, I said that in a whole bunch of words, and they should have said more, okay? Um, concentrating, yeah. Well, we can have trouble concentrating because uh, it, the studies show, Lori, that when children are in school, we know this for a fact. I know it happened to me. Bill's spoken about it. I mean, um, a lot of times when you're being abused, especially at home, you, you're afraid to go home. You're not going to think about uh, anything else about what might happen when you get home, and you're not even hearing what the teacher is saying. All right? So, yeah, um, kids can have trouble with concentrating, and then as they grow older, if their life doesn't change that much, they might have trouble with concentration, okay? Uh, like uh, absorbing, being able to read a book. Now, you don't have that problem. But reading a book and being able to absorb what they're reading, okay? You might have to go over uh, several times, maybe a few pages several times, to absorb uh, what that person's trying to get across. And in school, when children, if they don't get the help that they need because of what they've gone through, whether it be at home or outside of the home or both, they're only concentrating on what's going to happen today when they get home, okay? So they're not going to do well in school. They're going to have grades that are low. Um, 
unless something changes in their life and they get the help that they need. It's as simple as that. That's what happens. So anyway, what time do you have left? I think uh, we have three minutes. Is that right? Wow, that show went fast. 923. 9.23. We have seven minutes left. Okay, that's good. So down here at the bottom, I can go into one other thing, okay? I want to speak a little bit about the DSM, and the reason being is a lot of people think that they have post-traumatic stress disorder or even complex PTSD. Now, the DSM-5, and I'm saying 5 the way that I'm putting it that way, it, there's a reason for it. Maybe at one time they would accept that that was a mental condition, okay, and people could get um, compensated for it or whatever or some sort of thing. Um, now they're looking at it in a different light, and it didn't explain why, but I got this from the same article. Now, complex PTSD criteria, you have to meet certain criteria, and um, it says emotional flashbacks. Well, we've already spoken that we have them. Um, Vivid memories of trauma. Well, of course we're going to remember what happened to us. I remember, it's just like you had said at one point, how you handle it. Those who have complex PTSD, which I did have at one time, I don't have that anymore. But uh, And that's probably why they're looking at it, okay? Um, Because people, if they do get help and they get the proper help, um, and they do the proper work that they have to do, that PTSD can be, uh, and especially complex PTSD, can, I'm not going to say it goes away, I won't say that, but I, it can be controlled with medicine, right, and maybe counseling. Yeah. 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 So they, they're, they're thinking about taking that out, okay, especially the DSM-5. I'm just letting people know that. Okay, vivid memories of trauma. Okay, that would be another uh, criteria. Uh, well, hell, I have vivid memories of, of the trauma that I went through at times. Sometimes I get pissed off, too, all right? Um, yeah, and in response to triggering events. Okay, you mentioned it yourself. If you a smell, a sound, um, I spoke about the lightning. Last night, I guess you guys didn't hear me, <laughs> but that, that last bang like that, it scared me so bad, I jumped. I jumped and I screamed, but I must have been cut off. My phone went off. My my screen froze, and part of the house went out. So a, a breaker had gone, too. That's how bad that storm was. That was yeah, incredible. That sounds pretty bad. Yeah, we didn't and have I didn't like that. Like, yeah, but that's when I want a teddy bear, okay? <laughs> that's it. I'm alone here, and my cat's not going to do all right. <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, yeah, so that, that sort of like uh, did like um, a flashback to me of, of when I was in those fields when, at, at that place that we lived in, uh, and, and I was alone, and the terrible storms, because these storms aren't anything new. We just didn't, I think we had years where they were off and on and far enough apart well, we didn't, you know, look at them as we're looking at them today. I remember being a kid having times like this with storm after storm after storm. So I don't look at this whole, the things or listen to what they say about that because, again, in the 70s and in the 60s, I would be in New York City with my kids showing in the tree because that was a big deal to them, not to me. I'd seen it too many times. and um, But they wanted to see it. And... Um, 
I'd have to take my jacket off and take their jackets off because we were too hot. So you see, you know, there has been maybe a little bit of change, but if it was like that, I remember so well, so well, uh, in in the 70s, there was a, a, a time where, you know, at Christmas time, though I had to take my jacket off, the kids took theirs off, and, and uh, you know, that's the way it was. So I'm not so worried as other people are about all of this, with the heat, with that, this, because I've already lived through it, Lori, okay? And I don't know what's going to happen with the world. I can't predict that. Um but I think that this is with the with the weather it's just a uh, it's like going through another part of the cycle. It's like going around it's come back again and uh, now tonight my house of my house will probably get hit by lightning or something watch <laughs> I don't know but anyway, our show is over. I think we covered a lot in that topic, and um yeah, I'm glad yeah, I'm sorry You're that, really good. Uh, yeah, we did. Um, I'm sorry that Elizabeth didn't show. I don't think uh, Bill should even reach out to her anymore because if she was going to mm-hmm. show, she would have shown by now, you know. So yeah, and, I'm uh, guessing. Yeah. So i got to shut well, this down. Well, reading the bio, she's done a lot of work, so that's a good thing. Yeah. may not want to come on and ask her, but she's been busy, you know, helping and doing all the causes, so... I still consider her a good person in general. I'd what like to hear her. I'd like her to have her come on, but we can't, you know, make her come on. I you know, know. it's a third time. Yeah, yeah. enough is enough. Third. Yeah. So, so thank you, sweetheart. I will talk to you um, over the weekend, okay? Thank you for coming okay, on. Okay, okay honey. you good enjoy night. the storm. <laughs> and then, Philip, good night to you. Yeah, I'll probably get hit tonight again. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll talk to you next. Oops, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs> or during the weekend. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Good night. Good night. Another tomorrow. Because that's gone Love Talk Radio.